1: Hello. Hello. <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. This episode of On Deck with Stancy is brought to you by Podmetrics whether you're a rookie at podcasting or a veteran or a super expert or somebody who's just doing it for fun since we have a little bit more extra time now that we're all stuck at home you can actually use PodMetrics to know so much more about your show and who you're able to reach you can get information like who's listening where they are what their profiles are like even their listening habits, Podmetrics can take care of all of that and more so you can focus on creating better content. You can even integrate Podmetrics with Facebook and YouTube so you can get more data from your live streams. So if you're a podcaster or you want to start your own podcast, go check out podmetrics.co. Once again, that is podmetrics.co and sign up for free. So whether you've got hundreds of episodes under your belt or you're trying to figure out how to get from episode one Welcome to On Deck with Stan C. This podcast is produced and co-presented by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. On this show, I want to tell the real stories behind the real people behind the mic. And this week's guest has a lot of real stories, some raw experiences, painful memories, and basically what she went through to get out of that space into the more positive space that she's in right now. That's why I'm really excited to get to this week's guest. She's my current radio partner on Wave 89.1 on The Morning Takeover. Her name is Debbie Ten, and we've been friends for a few years now. It helped that she started out in Magic for so many years, and I was at Mellow 94.7, which was right across the hall, for so many years as well. We'd run into each other, we'd become friends because of our mutual friend Jamalas. From there, we'd stayed in touch, and... It didn't take long for our paths to cross again because when I moved to WAVE in 2017, I encountered her again not long afterward because she's dating my co-worker, Dino Kilates, aka Dino Imperial, aka Dizzy Savage. And right around that time, our boss, uh, Sergeant Pepper or Sarge, was telling me to go look for a new partner. I was also pretty aware that Debbie wasn't exactly in the best place at that time in her radio careers, I was like, hmm, what if we'd found a way to bring her over from Magic the Wave? It was something that I thought about, something that I suggested up front Kai Sarge, but it was something that neither of us really had the balls to do, for one, because we didn't want to upset the people at Magic. And, you know, compared to everybody else, I'm not really much of anybody, so <laughs> it's not like I have any decision-making powers or whatever. So I guess at the time, I just manifested it. And then, you know, things happened... One thing led to another, and Debbie had to make the leap from magic to eventually wave and Then the global pandemic happened, and we found ourselves being radio partners so it's not like it was something I actively worked hard to you know make it happen. I guess I just manifested it, and then it happened and I'm just really thankful, really lucky that I'd spent much of the pandemic talking to Debbie. And that we would built a good rapport, a good working relationship on top of our friendship as it is. So, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky and happy to have her as a radio partner, someone I know I can rely on, someone I know I can trust both on the show and off the show. So I'm really loving where things are at. And knowing that, it was just a matter of time until I had her on the podcast. So we made it work, got our schedules aligned. And honestly, she and I had a conversation that would remind me of Red Table Talks, like ganung Levo. So that's the type of conversation you can expect on the podcast. All of that, along with her story of having grown up in Brunei and then moving to Metro Manila as a teenager and having to navigate that foreign experience, all of that's on deck. We'll get to that in a few. But before I get to Debbie, let me tell you first that voter registration is still ongoing even though the holidays are fast approaching. So if you want to beat the clock or beat the deadline before the holiday break, you can go check out the online registration platform of Comelec over at iregistro.comelec.gov.ph. Irehistro is spelled I-R-E-H-I-S-T-R-O. So again, that's iregistro.comelec.gov.ph. Go ahead and register, make sure you'll be a voter by 2020, and I hope that if and when you do become a voter, you're able to vote wisely and correctly. And if you need to know what you need to prepare before heading into voter registration, whether it's online or physical, go check out VotePilipinas.com. One more thing I gotta remind you about is Podcast Network Age's efforts to raise money for the benefit of those who were affected by the typhoons from last November. So there were three typhoons all in a row, Quinta, Rolly, Ulysses, they did a number on so many families. So many communities, and it's going to be extremely difficult for them to celebrate Christmas. So I hope we can do our part to donate to Hashtag Podcast United. The first thing you can do is to go to this website, pymy.co slash PNA4Typhoon. That's pymy.co slash PNA, the number four, and then the word typhoon. To go there and then you can choose the amount you want to donate, click the buy it now button and then you can pay through your credit card or your debit card or through your Paymaya wallet. This is available for both local and foreign transactions. So I hope we can come together in the spirit of the holidays and just give a little to those in need, especially the families who are going to have a really tough time celebrating Christmas after everything our country has been through. All right, it's time to get to one of the most raw interviews I've ever had on the podcast. Here's my conversation with Debbie Ten. She's on deck. This is a very special episode of the podcast because I'm basically taking the radio show that we normally do on the weekdays and we're bringing it to the pod so we're a bit more unfiltered. We get to have a longer conversation. uh, Longer than the normal five-minute spiels we have on the air. So please welcome my guest for this week, my partner on the morning takeover, Debbie Tan.
0: Hi, Stan. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I was about to introduce you a certain way, Tapos na alala ko, I, was, uh, I, I was supposed to ask this before we hit record. Were you oh. the one who would call yourself your friendly neighborhood Asian on the radio? Was that you or Jess? Yes,
0: that was, um, that was me um, because we were thinking of um, cute little catchphrases when we had our own shows, right? And Jams was um, your one true love. And mm-hmm. I came after her and I was like, you know what? That sounds cute. I'm going to try one of my own as well. So we tried it out and it it both kind of just stuck. But I'm not with that station anymore. So I don't quite use it.
1: Right, right. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> actually because like when I first heard it, of me being the nerd that I am, right? I'd be like, friendly neighborhood Asian. Come on, we're all freaking Asian, right? We're in the Philippines. Yeah. And, and then they also eh, of the joke is there because you and I, diba? We're chinita chinita So there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have that going for us. I always found it cute, not gonna lie. So um, I, I guess it worked uh, in terms of the marketing. So good job.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, there's actually um, a little more context behind that whole um, tagline that not a lot of people will remember because oh, go, it's been go. a while. So... I'm called the friendly neighborhood Asian when I was back at Magic because I'm not exactly from the Philippines. So I was a third culture kid, um, born and raised in Brunei, Chinese Filipina girl who um, was raised with this whole other world, this whole other culture that I had to adapt to because I lived there until I was 16. I studied in um, a local school there as well. So when I first moved to the Philippines, I thought, okay, I noticed that there's not a lot of people like me. And I know we're all Asians because Filipino is also Asian, of course. Duh, yeah. Like, you know, that that's a given. But Jam mentioned it Nah, You know what? You're slightly more Asian than most Asian people that I know. And I just found that so funny. So when I put it all together, I thought, Okay, friendly neighborhood Asian because of the fact that Brunei is not too far from the Philippines. If you, if you check it on the map, mm-hmm. it doesn't… It seems so close and… If you fly there from here, it's two hours, and on a good day, one hour thirty minutes. So technically, I'm not from here, but I am still your neighbor.
1: Ah, right, yeah, yeah, because uh, Brunei is still part of ASEAN, right? It's Southeast yes. Asia, Parinaman. naman. So when you think about it, it's literally a neighbor country. Okay, yes. I love it. Yeah. It, <laughs> now that now that you mentioned it, now that you told me the story, uh, it, it it's makes a more sense. Tagline, yeah, than I initially thought it was. Good job. Thank you. I, I want to get into the origin story because I mentioned that uh, you didn't grow up here. And mm-hmm. um, anybody who listens to our radio show will know um, immediately from from listening to you, especially because we we tend to drop a lot of Tagalog references or Tagalog words. And you'd be the one to openly acknowledge now. oh yeah, I'm probably going to butcher the Tagalog because I'm not from here. So um, uh, you were born in Brunei and you were there until you were 16.
0: Yes, so um, I I love how you pointed that out because I know that we we have our private conversations and it's it's a big uh, it's a big pet peeve of yours the, uh, when I people. I would say, say it's a pet peeve.
1: It's more long. of like I, I really want to make sure we get it right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I get you. I'm with you on that one as well. And it, it's a little bit tougher for me because I'm not from here. But um, I guess my whole life story, if I could just like put it as short as I possibly can, I was born and raised in Brunei Darussalam. My dad is a Chinese Malaysian man who went to the Philippines on holiday, met my half Bicolana, half Chinese mom and they they hit it off and they ended up getting married. So she moved to Brunei with him. So that was where I spent 16 years of my life. Like I was immersed in the culture, um, not only in the Malay structural way of doing things, but because I came from a Chinese community, I was also very immersed in the whole Chinese aspect of my bloodline but the Philippines that was a place that I only visited on holidays I mm-hmm. was rarely here I only went with my mom whenever I had to visit my grandmother in the Philippines and um, they live in Cavita now so every now and then I would visit but I never stayed long enough to truly be called a Filipina so when it was time for me to pick a place to go to college, I chose, why not Philippines? You know, I thought, okay, why?
1: why would you pick this place out of all the places you could possibly choose?
0: I don't know. Maybe it was one part of me that always felt that there was something more for me outside of what I grew up with in Brunei. Because just to give you a little bit of um, a little, I paint a little picture for you. So... When it comes to the way things are done in Brunei, it's a very conservative country. It's…
1: As in more conservative than the Philippines.
0: Yes, because here in the Philippines, the main religion is Catholicism or Christianity, right? But in Brunei, it's Islam. Mm -hmm. And in Islam, we have certain laws called the Sharia law. And that is the way that people live in Brunei. So there's a curfew when when it hits 9 o'clock. You, you should already be going to bed. You're not allowed out into the town square because you might get arrested. Alcohol is not allowed freely. You can't just spot, go to a bar. That, what bar, you know? You can't just go to a random spot in the… Kuala Blight Town Center where I'm from in um, Brunei and look for a bar because there is no such thing if you want to go drink you have to drive to the border in order to have a sip of sweet alcohol you know Wait,
1: so how do fuckboys and celebrities and MCs and DJs live over there May it, ba sila
0: there are no such things where so yes, like, like no no,
1: no fuckboys, no influencers and all that crap. No,
0: because um, the the way that they live, the lifestyle is so, so different. Like nobody seeks fame. The way that it is, it's a first world country. Money is what gets you ahead in life. That's what speaks for you. So at, at a young age, I was taught how to make a lot of money because that was the whole that was the whole game plan. If you live life in Brunei. You know, study hard, get a good job, make sure you make a lot of money, and you retire, and that's that. You know, you live life very simply, but when it comes to like yeah,
1: money, yeah,
0: (laughs) money, you know, and and you know, you don't even pay taxes there, so it's a a really funny concept because you make so much money and you get to enjoy it properly, and you must be listening to all. Yeah. And you're listening to all of this and you're wondering, so why the hell did you move out of some place that sounded so cushy and comfy uh, for the Philippines? Well, um, to, to just be completely honest with you, I wanted excitement. I wanted something different. And like you mentioned, the whole um, uh, entertainment aspect… That is something that's thriving in this country. That's something that I wanted to do. At a young age, I knew that I wanted to be an e-news host. I wanted to do entertainment news, red carpet talks, um, interviews with artists from all around the world. That was something that that always piqued my interest. That's something that I sort of practiced with my sister when we were younger, watching e-news, like from across the room, I'd look at my sister and be like, okay, we're currently here in the studio, E! News. um, Phoebe is currently on location talking to so-and-so celebrity. And we'd just be trading information on dresses that don't even exist Mm -hmm. from across the room. And that was something we shared such a heavy passion for. And when I used to go to school, the only form of entertainment on my ride every morning to school was the radio. Right. The reason why I wanted to get into radio, and I'm just going to list her name right now. It's not like um, anyone knows her in this country. But in Brunei, she's a living legend. Her name is DJ Izan. So DJ Izan was the reason why I wanted to be a DJ. Because she would have the, the most entertaining personality. She would have the most fun segment. The other DJs as well, they had riddles that I would guess along to on my way to school. And my dad would always just look at me and just like, can you please just shut up? Like, you're, you're being too noisy right now. You're just chattering away. We're driving to school. I want this to be peaceful. If you want to talk back to the radio, get your own radio show. <laughs> and I looked at him and I went, you know what? I will.
1: Do you remember how old you were when that story happened?
0: That, I think I was around like seven or eight. My, my dad looked at me like, what the fuck? child what what are you even saying what does that even mean like you know that's not something that people aspired to be in a world full of oh i want to be a nurse oh i want to be a doctor because that's the filipino side of my family right my mom went to school to, uh, for nursing she wanted to be a nurse and my dad he he works in um a contracting company so he, he deals with bookings and he's a manager there so y- you can see the way of life is just so different from the way that i perceived it to be i thought i was going to be you know doing something way more than i could achieve in brunei so i thought okay why not head to philippines why not try it out let's see what is here for me so i um i Enrolled into school at CSB, St. Penilde, for Mm -hmm. music production. What year was this? Do you remember? This is 2011. I was 16 years old and I thought to myself, if I'm going to achieve one thing, it's going to be learning my way around music. So I initially thought that in order to spend as much time possible as I can around music is that I had to play it. So when I was younger, I played the guitar, I learned how to play the piano piano i thought uh, I didn't okay know about you yeah this is a fun fact of my past life and I'll, I'll get to why you don't ever hear me talk about playing instruments anymore so i went to csb for music production and i thought okay in brunei all i ever did was just talk about how i wanted to interview artists and that included musicians yeah. so i would listen to a lot of music from different sides of the spectrum. What, what's hot in Europe? What's hot in America? What, what's good around Indonesia, Southeast Asian countries? I would just dip my feet into little... Um, it, and at the time, it was just YouTube, right? So you'll jump around to different channels looking for something. There was no Spotify, no nothing. Yeah. So in order to get music, I would illegally download it off of LimeWire or, or M- YouTube MP3. And I would just... Play play with it, right? Um, on YouTube and learn. And I didn't know it at the time. There was a word for it. It was called segueing.
1: Ah, uh, okay. I would just put. So you taught yourself how to segue yes. without th- knowing that you were actually doing what people on the radio did.
0: Yes. Because I thought that was so interesting. Like, oh, okay. It just happened to me uh, one time when um, I played one song um, on YouTube. And I thought, okay, this sounds like this other song that I know. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, with that ear for music, and my dad pointed it out, he said, okay, that's really interesting. Maybe you should learn how to play the guitar and play the piano. So that's what I did i embarrassingly so I even wrote songs when I was like 13, 14, 15 years old. And when it's finally time for me to, you know, go out there and I thought, "Oh, I'm going to be a musician. I I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a singer. I'm going to be like Taylor Swift, you know?" Mm-hmm. And I had my first class in um, music production and my whole view of the world just shattered. I realized in that moment my my first week of studying in St. Benilde that I was not cut out to be a musician. Why? I couldn't learn the notes properly, I I couldn't sight read because when it comes to uh, music production, you have to be classically trained. Like that's where they train you classically. So if you go into it and you know how to play a couple of chords on the guitar, you know how to hold a key when it comes to singing, or you know how to play um, a couple of um, riffs on the piano or the guitar, it means nothing if you can't sight read so i went my whole year just failing every single subject <sighs> you know but it's funny how that turned out because on my second week of just failing miserably at every single class that i took and i was just it was sad because as the days went by i felt myself fading like i felt myself not succeeding Yeah. So I I was listening to the radio, of course. Being someone who loved to be around music all the time, I thought, okay, um, let's see what's up here in the Philippines. I thought, no one can be like DJ Izan, but let's see what they got over here. And the, the radio station was playing Good Life by One Republic. And that was the first song I heard on radio in the Philippines. And I thought, this is it. This is the song of my year. And this is what I want it to be. And I found out through listening to that um, radio station after the song played, um, there were auditions for the junior drop program at Magic 89.9. The show was Andy 9 and Jessica. And I thought, oh, wow, they sound amazing. I want to do that. Like, okay, so this is not DJ Izan, but this is a different form, a different form of radio that I'm newly falling in love with. So I listen to Magic every day. Mm-hmm. I went and auditioned and I, in my audition room, it was DJ Pat and DJ Boom. So if anyone asks, I owe my radio career to DJ Pat and DJ Boom. Like they, they're just the nicest, most humble, interesting, and eloquent people I've ever met. And they taught me so much when it comes to life in general. It's funny because you think that um, having someone to look up to like that A strong male lead in your life, you'd think that you just learn from the craft. But I learned so much when it comes to how to navigate through the industry and life in general through Pat and Boom. So I'm always grateful for everything they've done when it comes to opening my mind to how the world is here in the Philippines.
1: We're taking a quick break from my conversation with my partner, Debbie, so I can tell you about how you can support this podcast. Of course, running a podcast like On Deck and producing it doesn't come easy because there are some production costs. And one way you can help me with that is through your online shopping. Lazada has given me an affiliate link because they've been very supportive through this process of exploring our stories and creating content in the time with the pandemic and if you want to use your online shopping to help out the podcast, all you have to do is to click my Lazada affiliate link. That's tinyurl.com slash ondeckxlazada. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash ondeckxlazada. It'll take you straight to the app and please use the app to check out your products. And once they're delivered to your doorstep, On Deck and Podcast Network Asia, get a small commission to help keep the show running. So once again, Please click my Lazada affiliate link, tinyurl.com on deck xlazada, right before you hit checkout on the app. It's one of the easiest ways for you to support the podcast. And now here's a quick word from our other podcasts on Podcast Network Asia. Hi, this is Jason Lowe, selling author, speaker, and now the host of the Unique Life podcast, where I discuss the four different types of personalities so that you will know your strengths and weaknesses and that of others. Join me as we try to unbox life and the wonders of your own unique personality. Only here in Podcast Network Asia. I'll catch you there. or oh, we'll, we'll get to the Boom Gonzalez part because that was an interesting part of your career because you you were somebody who um idolized somebody and then ended up getting to work with them yeah. right? really closely so i'll ask about that later on um but i'm curious about your mindset more coming out of the the music production phase of your your college career right? so you're there you're failing and then you discover philippine radio and you think to yourself this is something i could try but did did it ever uh, cross your mind that nah. aesthetically you were different compared to everybody else but compared to the typical Filipino or Filipina which is Moreno mm-hmm. Morena ba? and th- that time um, 2011 uh, Kim Chu had already made it big uh, mm-hmm. Dara had already made it big five years ago or uh, f- five years prior the Gosheng <laughs> Fiaos were on the up and up at the time so oh, yeah. there was a premium on the Chinita look so did it cross your mind that being Chinita would be something you could capitalize on?
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's really funny how you pointed that out. It was because of the fact that I looked different that I auditioned for PBB.
1: Okay, wait. Was, was this before radio or or know uh, um after you'd gotten in magic now?
0: I was already in magic now when I decided to audition and try try stuff out for um. For several things. So I didn't just audition for PBB. I auditioned for PBB twice. I auditioned for for, um, NCAA and UAP, like courtside reporting. Because I thought, nah. Um, That that was by suggestion of Pat, Aaron, you know, a couple of my former mentors at Magic. Because they thought, okay, what you need is experience. And the best way to learn is trial and error. So if you get into it and you see what it's like in in that um, actual stage on on the tv maybe you might be able to learn a couple of things and i feel like my whole my whole career has just been a series of trial and errors you know it's me trying to figure out my way through the the, this industry see what's really for me i used to think now okay if basketball is hot here then maybe i should you know maybe i should cut myself a piece of that pie Mm. maybe i should try out for courtside reporter but as years went by i realized i don't have the passion for basketball and i would just be lying to myself if i did
1: and and
0: kind of the same thing that happened when it comes to the showbiz thing as well the the whole pvb thing i even joined star magic for like half a year and i just figured that it wasn't really for me but one thing that i always realized and i kept all throughout the years like i've been in radio for what about seven almost eight years already And what I've learned is that my love for radio, my love for public speaking, my love for hosting never changed. Like my view of the entertainment industry, my view of um, how, um, which aspects of TV uh, to, you know, put my hand into or try out. It's all shifted. Like I've looked at it so differently as my career went on. But one thing that never changed was my love for radio.
1: All right. So, so yeah, let's. Let's dig deeper into that love for radio and how it was nurtured during your time in the junior jock program. So uh, take us back to your, your rookie year in the program. What was training like and how is it like being um, under the tutelage of, of uh, you know, the magic jocks that you'd been listening to?
0: Wow. Um, yeah. It, when I look back to those years, tw- 2011 to 2012, I would call that the golden year of the junior jock program. Because that was at a rebirth. So we all know about the Campus Patrol, right? That, that Yes. Uh, um,
1: um, the, the older version of the JJ program.
0: And that had its own thing. Like you can't top that. That's like the platinum era, you know? that That era spawned some of the best radio DJs in the industry today. And they're still here. You know, so that was the platinum era. But the rebirth 2011, 2012, 2013, the year that I was growing and learning in the program, I would call that the golden era because that was where DJ Pat had this system. So that was the most involved any DJs ever been in the Junior Jock program. We truly really felt like we were cared for. And as the years went on and and Pat had to leave for personal reasons, it got it kind of got pushed around from uh, one DJ to another mishandled a little bit now it's kind of finally finding its footing with Santi being in the lead but during that time I felt like I learned in the best possible time to be in radio because it was when CDs were still a thing
1: so Wait, now but them CDs
0: yes so in um oh, this, booth, that's kind of weird okay while we were training we had two CD um I, I can't even call it a console but they're there were these two boxes that were sitting beside each other, and we had this whole trunk full of CDs mm-hmm. where we had to we where we had to pick through a book to find a song. So it's listed like by name, artist like a karaoke book, right? And that's how you did your segues. So it, it tells you if it's a fast, medium, or slow. Um, but but it's just the artist song, fast, medium, or slow. And if it's a regular playlist or the Friday Madness playlist or the Saturday Slam playlist. Yeah, so I learned how to toggle CD buttons. So th- there was this um, huge knob where you have to turn it just to get the right number. And if you want to make segues, you have to pop in another CD in the next player.
1: Okay, uh, was it their way of trying to make you experience what the old school was like? Cause uh, no, I no,
0: because that I, was still the way we were doing things at that time. Twenty eleven, we had the computer. Yeah, so this,
1: and it's weird to me. It, uh, um, it, it's weird to me and. I guess in a fascinating way. Because when I started about a year before you did, did I just mp 3 So to hear that um, somebody who started in radio after me was using CDs, something that I never got to experience, is pretty weird.
0: <laughs> and that's why I love it, you know? that that was That's why I look at that year with such high regard. Because that was the bridge. That was the bridge between the OG old school way of doing things and the new age. Because we weren't just using the CDs. That's how we started off because the Junior Drop program and the way Pat held it at the time, he wanted us to be aware of what was there before us. That's why we had so much respect for the DJs before us because we were taught there were photos of the DJs on the wall. Even our current station manager right now at Wave, his photo was on the wall of magic. And we were taught, okay, this is Max Speed. You treat this guy with respect. He's one of the, you know, he, he he's, he's being held at such high regards uh, sergeant pepper um J- ryan bang you know all of these djs from their dj names
1: you mean james bang right
0: james bang yes james bang so not that. the korean guy <laughs> not the korean <laughs> <laughs> I- i'm mixing up my showbiz and my radio but, No, you're
1: just mixing up your bangs
0: uh james bang so that's boss i do now you yeah. know yeah it, so we were taught to respect our elders but at the same time, we were allowed to get into the modern age. So we would do segues from CDs to computers. And it was funny because sometimes when the CDs would skip and you're trying to fulfill a segue, you can't do it because it starts skipping. Mm, so you have yeah. to get creative. And that taught me… That really taught me how to work under pressure. Okay. So I love the training that I had. I remember there were times where CJ would have us run from inside the booth to the elevator and then run back in. Do three jumping jacks before you enter the booth. And you have three seconds left on a song. And you have to segue. Wow.
1: CJ and CJ the DJ who does yes. Good Times Now. Yeah. Yes.
0: Wow. So Man, the, the way that we were trained, it was brutal. But I wouldn't have had it anyway. Any other way. Because that taught me so much about respect. That taught me so much about the principle of being in radio. How to do things the old school way. How to put it all together with the modern age. So it's sad because when the CDs finally got, the CD um, consoles got taken away, we were all so sad. And we were kind of depressed by the fact that the, the generation after us or the batch after us weren't able to touch the CDs. You know, sure, we won't have the CDs hanging anymore, but at least they get the feel of what it's like to have vintage radio in the booth.
1: So you mentioned Nancy Pat um, when he was the head trainer for uh, your batch of junior jocks. He mm-hmm. had a system in place. Can you take me through that system as somebody who um, wasn't privy to it or let's say a listener who really loves radio but doesn't speak the language? He gets what goes on inside the booth. What was Pat's system like and how did that help you guys pick up your young craft in a more digestible way?
0: Funny enough, the first thing Pat always taught us wasn't on-air conduct, but more so off-air conduct. He would always say, keep your feet on the ground. Don't ever get too cocky. That was his first advice. Because if you get too cocky, you become something other than yourself. And that translates to radio sometimes. And I find that funny because not a lot of DJs follow the same rule. And maybe it was one of the reasons why he tried to teach that to us because he wanted to prevent us from... Becoming like something. Them. Yeah. From being a certain way. Because when you've been in radio long enough, some people, they, they get big-headed. You know, they think now nah, they're above radio law. They think that it's okay to do and say things even if it starts hurting other people whether May it be off air on-air. Nah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure people can figure <laughs> it out. You know, people can figure it out on their own. Who has caused drama in such way, whether it be on or or off-air.
1: Sure, okay. All so right. the
0: first thing would be to always keep your feet on the ground. Second, to always respect the people um, that are around you and at the station. He would even say to us that the janitor has more has more of a place in the booth than us junior drunks. And that was something that stuck with me. You know, so we were always really nice to the tech, the guards, the janitors. Um, the We had Atamang, she She cleaned up at the booth all the time at Magic, right? And we had to treat her with such respect, you know? And it, it goes without saying, you should always treat people with respect. Whether Regardless you're home of, or not. Uh, yeah. their place in life. Yeah. But to be told that we are beneath all these people because they were here first and they've been there first, that really changes your perspective, you know? But at the same time, you know, when you're all kids, that doesn't exactly stick. That lesson doesn't sick all the time and Mm -hmm. I've experienced some um, backlash as well because of you know who I was at the age of 16 and 17 and the last advice that he gave us was to always keep things short and tight
1: Mm -hmm. In terms of your on-air spiels.
0: On-air spiels, board work. um, He would try and teach us na. always be prepared. You have to read a lot. Um, Nothing has to be memorized. But at the same time, you should always be prepared with information. So when you go on air, you'll always have something to say. But make sure that you don't sound stupid.
1: So you entered the program in 2011. And... um, how long did it take for you to get your own show? Because I think I remember hearing you regularly on the radio. Sikuru Uh 2013, I would mm-hmm. say. And I think this was back when you were boarding with sina Andy and Jessica. I'm not sure if Sila paimakasam or if it's already Andy and Ricky. But yeah. I would remember pulling up to Paragon, uh, um and, and parking, and I'd be like, Oh, there's a different female voice. She sounds <laughs> younger and perkier. Ah, so so you know, it's like, oh, it's a it's a different character. Sino to?
0: Well, um, when it comes to board work… I guess after my um, six months of training… I was allowed to board on the Junior drug show. And then I guested on a couple of other DJ… Actually, I've guested on all of the DJ shows at Magic at some point. Just because at Magic, what they did was… To, they shuffled their JJs around. And yep. if if they like you or you like the show, you can keep coming back if they let you.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: of course, you know, Andy and Jess were the girls that I wanted to be like. Hence why I kept going back to their show. Hence why I wanted to keep um, being their junior job. And then Pat show, Aaron show, Nico show every now and then as well. So it would be every um, every DJ that allowed us to get on air with them. But Boom mm-hmm. was the more elusive one. Boom was very strict about who he had on his show. So Boom was always that, um, that white whale of a show that was always in reach but you could never touch. Because he had a certain quality to uphold, hence why he didn't just let any JJ's onto the show.
1: So pag uh, na invite Kani Boom to board with him, and then Junior Jocks Palang, that it's means you like, the best of the best of, of the Junior Jocks. Ganun.
0: No, no, man. Because what they taught us is is to always have you know your, your feet on the ground, right? So if they invited you. You have to see it as an honor, but don't let it get to you because there have been some JJ's that have just been, you know, w- once they get invited like, "Oh my god, I-, I got invited to, you know, Boom Show or whatever." And they would brag about it and they would get reprimanded because, you know, you get put in your place. That's how it is. Like don't don't think that you're the best of the best when people see something in you, but what they see is a small point a, a small point A of potential that they'd like to try and see if they can get you to point Z.
1: Yeah, but it had to have meant something if, for example, show, nga, um, nobody, nobody could get on it or not just anybody could get on it. And then oh, suddenly sure. you get the call na, hey, can you do this time slot with so-and-so DJ? Like that had to have meant something whether or not you acknowledged it outright.
0: Oh, yes. It, it had to mean something, but we weren't allowed to brag about it. So it was Boom yes. Show yeah. or Boys Night Out.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, those two shows. At, at what point did you… Start to hear conversations about you getting absorbed because uh, when you enter a student DJ program, but the goal is eventually to get absorbed by that radio station to get signed to a contract to get paid to actually show up and board. So, yeah. at what point that, did that happen for you?
0: Oh man, uh, th- this is a, a very loaded question, it's so tough to answer, but I feel like if I could um wrap it up in a tiny, tidy, ni- nice little bow, it would be um, I guess my. First, second year into radio already because what the boss used to do is he had a um, a selection of like five, five girls, two, three guys that he would talk to on the constant if he saw potential in them. So he would plant this little seed of, okay, you need to do better because I'm considering you. And I'm not saying that it's going to be right away, but I just want you to know you're on my radar. So step it up. So I was I was in that point of limbo for five years.
1: So five years, you were in that limbo between um, being a junior jock and then getting absorbed. So how did you handle that? Yung uncertainty and just waiting you know, whether or not uh, you would get that call. Because you're not making money. And you come from that background now, I have to make money. And then you also have that personal dream now that you're trying to achieve, which is to become an actual DJ and not just a junior jock. So... How did you manage that um, that that time in your life, which I can imagine must have been very difficult?
0: I mean, now that I've been, I've moved on from that part of my life. I've moved way past it and grown so much. I can look back and say I did not handle it very well, and it's kind of one of the reasons why it took me so long to get to a certain point as well. I handled it the way any 16, 17, 18-year-old would and that was very poorly. I was competitive. I, I got mean towards the people that, you know, I at one point was really close to and I ended up hurting a couple of people along the way and it was that kind of behavior that sort of garnered specific hate from DJs and it did delay me becoming a DJ but it's one of those things where you do stupid things when you're a child and you have no guidance because your parents are two hours away in a different country and you're insecure because you you have... Um, this expectation for yourself when it comes to these goals that you've set you you have stakes that are very high you move to a different country um you, you took up a musical course and then you shifted to a broadcasting course because you realize that this is a bigger passion for you and you feel that your only way of working around music 24 7 would have to be in a radio station because i obviously am no whitney houston or celine dion nor can i play any instruments so it was me finding my finding my footing with the things that I wanted to do with my life and my career. And being a kid and having all of those thoughts in your head and um, no real parental guidance to teach you how to be and how not to be, you kind of end up hurting people along the way because you're just trying to figure yourself out. But that's the thing though. You grow from it. You learn from it. You forgive yourself for it. But sometimes… Just because you can forgive yourself, that doesn't mean other people will. So some people held on to the the mean or not so nice person. I wouldn't say I was evil. You know, I was just misguided. I um, had so much to learn. I I just needed to expose myself to the way things were in the Philippines. It my mindset was very Bruneian. So um, some things that I could have done or said, people took the wrong way because they didn't know that that was how we spoke in Brunei. So some of the DJs, some main DJs that were important to please when it co- when when it came to that journey into radio, they had it out for me. They didn't quite like me, and it wasn't a peaceful journey going transitioning from a junior jock to becoming a radio DJ. And I faced a lot of um, I wouldn't say it was bullying, but I received a lot of hate.
1: What type of hate? If uh, you don't mind digging into it, like um what would they do to you or what would they say to you because um, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the fact that you had to get the approval of DJs first before you got the approval of management because yeah. parang, parang weird, eh, um You take that that culture into any other place of employment it's not that Like if you're, if you're going to get hired management or ownership would hire you
0: oh hindi
1: yes not the co-workers who dictate oh, this person should get hired but the oh, way yes. The way you tell the story, it sounded like you had to get in the good graces first of these veterans or yeah. these uh, senior coworkers before you'd become one of them. So, what w- what type of uh, hate, as you put it, did you have to go through?
0: Let's just say, um, let's just say it straight up. I know every every radio station in Manila can agree that the magic DJs can be very clickish. Okay. Like, I'm just going to go out there and say it because people have been saying it for a long time. And, you know, I, ca- I came from that. So it's not me saying that. Um, it's not me talking trash. I-, I will always have a soft spot for magic in my heart. Because I put so many years into growing and learning and becoming the person that I am through that station. A lot of pain. Um, and learning from that pain as well. So they're very clickish if you… If you wanna, if you wanna get with Magic, you gotta get with their friends. You know that's just right. the way that it is. <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the bigwig DJs or anyone that had power I- at Magic, they were DJs as well. You know they they ha- held spe- special positions outside of just being DJs. So if they did not like you, they won't have you on their shows. They um, will prioritize the DJs that they get along with, and. I mean, that's within reason. I mean, why would you want to work with someone that you don't like? Why would you want um, someone you don't like be hired alongside you? So I understand the logic. But when I was younger, like, it really upset me. But as I grew older, I don't know why I found myself reasoning it out for them. Now, okay, I can forgive the way that I was treated because of the fact that I did give them a little bit of a reason to hate me. But I didn't think that they would have held on to that forever because… The person that you were when you were sixteen or seventeen, that's not the person you're always going to be.
1: Yeah. You know So um having said that, uh what were the things that you had to experience now for you, parang it it started making you think like, ah, parang di na to okay. Ah. or I think there's a line that's being crossed yeah. and I, I don't think this is okay.
0: That moment happened when all the talking started happening like people were talking behind your back and it wasn't just the junior jocks it was the DJs too and you know it's easy to ignore stuff like that when they're talking behind your back but when they take that on air that's that's a whole nother ball game because something that happened to me when I was 17 and I was so traumatized by it 17 or 18 right a couple of the biggest DJs started talking shit about me on air and it was the time that I was helping out their show too. I was just picking up phone calls. You mm-hmm. know, I was sacrificing my hours. I wouldn't say sacrificing because it was an honor to work with people people like them in the mm-hmm. industry, you know? They they they're huge. It, it is my honor to answer phones for you, get you coffee in the morning, you know? It was me not even going on air, not even talking. It was just me answering phone calls in the back booth. Mm-hmm. So, it was the time where I worked with them in close proximity and there was all this talking going around and it went on air and they just flat out said my name said I was stupid all of these things and it it got worse when it moved off air and not just on the radio they were just straight up saying oh Debbie's stupid Debbie's an idiot Debbie's an idiot so stupid I hate her she's terrible she she has no talent no no board work skills whatever they would say all these mean things about me and it went to a different social media platform where they would say that um, I was a whore, that I would sleep with um, radio listeners, that I was cheap. One of the meanest things that um, was ever said about someone so young, you know, it's funny because when, when you look at it, I was just a child.
1: Yeah. Uh, he, this is what, before you were 18.
0: Yeah. Even if I would turned 18, I was still a child. I would consider myself in that life. I'm still a child. You know, so you just turn 18, someone's calling you a whore. You know, on a platform where they did not even, they didn't even hide your name.
1: You yeah, know? Yon. The fact that uh, you say that these are people who uh, whose words carry a lot of weight around the industry. Oh, so yeah. My platform, whatever you say gets magnified tenfold, a hundredfold, given your, your listeners, your reach.
0: Yeah, and it was something that hurt me emotionally. It scarred me mentally because at that point, I'd thought that everything was okay. I'd thought, nah, you know, I I knew that some DJs didn't like me but that's why I was working hard. That's why I offered my services at answering phone calls because I wanted to show them that I am capable of growth. I am not the person that they say I am and it was because Pat encouraged me. DJ Pat said, Some of the DJs don't like you, straight up, telling you right now. Some of the DJs don't like you. You've got an attitude problem. You need to fix that shit. And when you fix that shit, I want you to be assertive. Show them that you can change. You are not that person. I want you to be better. And I love that about him because when it comes to um, a lot of the other DJs, I noticed that they're very passive-aggressive. And it's a very Filipino thing. But what I wanted was some honesty. If they didn't like me, then just tell me and tell me how I can improve. You know, enumerate to me the ways that I am a shitty person and that you don't think I'm deserving of this spot in the junior job program, right? The way that Pat did. And that's one of the reasons why I tried working closely around them. And if, and that's when things started coming out and I was a tryhard, you know, that I was too. Too visible. I tried too hard to be there. I tried too hard to impress them when in fact it wasn't me trying to impress them It was me trying to show them that there's more to me than what you just signed me off as you You have this first impression and you're like, okay, she's an idiot She she she's all about her look. She's all about this. She's all about that and we hate her We just keep shitting on her on air online. Let's do it Who cares because we don't want her here and we want management to know
1: We're taking another break from this very raw conversation with my partner Debbie Ten so I can tell you about our friends from Mr. Speedy. Since we're celebrating Christmas in the time of the pandemic, our next best option to deliver our gifts to our loved ones, our co-workers, our friends, our bosses is really through a courier that you know you can rely on, something that is affordable and something that is extremely quick as well. And that's why I'm really excited to tell you about Mr. Speedy and their most affordable same-day delivery rate. They've got a 5 pesos per kilometer rate, which has made it really affordable for me to go and send as many of my Christmas presents to as many co-workers and friends as possible. The best part is they've got an offer for you just because you're a listener of On Deck. You can use my promo code, MrSpeedyStan, to get 50 pesos off your first Mr. Speedy delivery, whether that's on their website, MrSpeedy.ph, or on their app, which you can download on the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, and on the Huawei Mobile Gallery. So again, use my promo code, MrSpeedyStan, that's Mr. S-P-E-E-D-Y-S-T-A-N To get 50 pesos off your first delivery You can do it right now And this offer is available for Metro Manila Cebu and nearby provinces And now let's take a moment to hear From our other podcasts on Podcast Network Asia Hi there, my name is Laika Maravilla Has anyone ever called you a try hard? Is trying hard a bad thing? Or a good thing? Let's talk about that in the Trying Hard with Like a Maravilla podcast. Brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm not going to go and defend uh, the people you were with. I'm not, gonna, um, I'm not even going to try to like psychologize them. But uh, from, from what you say, the, this picture you're painting, banana. You get told that they hate you, so you better step it up. You better work hard around them from the other perspective. kunware ako, I've been in a situation where I've hated a co worker or if I, I've hated um, somebody, and then they try to earn my respect or they try to make me like them by working harder. Parang nagigets kore nyo parang maslalo siyang mabuburat sa you know what I mean? parang, mm. ah, why is this person even more visible? Galit ng ako sa kanya. And now they're trying to work extra hard to get my attention or my approval. Now I hate them even more. So parang, I, I I guess I'm, I'm telling you this because I empathize with what you went through. Because it's unfair naman na some of these things that were being said about you mm-hmm. were out of your control. Yes. Or they were being said in a platform where you couldn't fight back. Yes. Even if you'd wanted to. So how did you deal with that as, one, someone who was still a minor and trying to figure out who you are as a person? And two, someone who didn't have the support system that a a different person or like an ordinary Filipino would have at that point in their life. You're at the cusp of being 18. Normally, you'd still have your parents around you to try to guide you through a situation like that. But you didn't because they were in a different country. So how did you deal with that?
0: it's, It's sad now that I think about it because it taught me who I could and could not trust you know when it came to who i was i i had this fantastical way of thinking that if you just show them who you truly are that you're not this you're not this vile terrible person that they keep saying that you are maybe they might change their tone of you but i realized that was just me seeing the best and people are wanting to think that people are better but then again I didn't come from here. I didn't know that this was the way the industry was. I didn't know how worse… Like how how much worse it could have gotten. And it makes me sad thinking about it… Because I'm not going to rationalize and say, say that what they did was okay. Yeah. But when I went to seek advice from higher-ups… They told me that I had to either suck it up… Deal with it and keep working hard and try and change their mind… Or go up to them and confront them about it. And this is coming from someone who had no power whatsoever and had no respect from any of the DJs. They didn't care for what I thought or what I had to say or what they deemed were my excuses. So what I did was I learned to shut up, know my place, and I kept working hard on my own. Like, as the years went by, they kind of tore my spirit apart. What once what once was this, like, precocious, loud, like, happy and, you know, bubbly girl. They tore me down piece by piece as the years went on. Through those five years of them just, like, making me feel like I was absolute dog shit. And when I finally became a DJ, it was a move from management that some DJs were violently against. But, you know, eventually it did kind of, like… Um, Ease out, and I can gladly say that I left Magic with I, I wouldn't call I wouldn't say that we were all best friends, but there was civility. I left when everything was okay, and that was the one thing that I'd wanted through my whole experience in Magic. There were so many highs, but I'd be lying to you if I said that there weren't so many lows, you know? And it, it makes me a little bit teary. I'd think about it. It's because I'm trying to recap everything and I, I'm trying to watch what I'm saying because I've moved on from it and I'm okay. But I can't, I'd be lying if I just said that everything was just a bed of roses and everything was fine. I did suffer from treatment. How they treated me, it just wasn't right. And I would make excuses for their behavior because that would mean more to me that I, I tried to rationalize it. So I would feel like, I, I would feel like, it was my fault. I blamed myself. That's why they treated you that way because you were a horrible person. And it, it really changed the way that I looked at myself. And as the years go by and I realized who my real friends were, Jam finally said to me, you got to stop, stop apologizing for the things that they did. They're not apologizing for it. So you shouldn't either. They dealt with it in their own way. I'm sure they're not evil. They're just human too, you know? And… Anything that's ever been said about me from any of the DJs or the higher ups, I can look. I can look at it as like, okay, that's your opinion. That's cool. Like whether that be recent, because some things have been said in recent on air as well, you know. And and you knew you knew about that when, when yeah. we were on the show um, a couple of months back or mm-hmm. last month. Or I don't know anymore. But you know, the the whole point of it is, some people they have the same mindset and. It may be a group of people, maybe one person, but that might be it for the rest of their lives. They're not going to change the way they think of you or think of things. So if you are a piece of shit to that person, you're going to be a piece of shit for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter what you do with your career, how well um, you do things, how much you've grown, how how many improvements you've um, made. It means nothing to them because they're always going to see you as that kid who fucked up.
1: I think for me, a bigger takeaway is how you really went through this long period of cognitive dissonance. And I'm not sure if you've ever encountered that term before. Um, cognitive dissonance is a term I learned in psych class where uh, you always try to find a reason to justify something that was bad. Yeah. Something bad that happened to you. So um, I remember the example that was used in my psych class was when you get frat. Yeah. Deba, I can to uupahan ka. Pero hindi okay lang na uupahan ako kasi I'm gonna gain brothers. Mm-hmm. For the sake of brotherhood or at the very least yung mga connections in the industry w- that I want to pursue eventually or yung yung network 'di ba kapag nag-graduate So that's cognitive dissonance. I going tinatanggap mo yung mali. Yeah. Kasi hinahanapan mo na reason para matanggap mo yung mali. And I'm no psych major here, but I think mm-hmm. that was your way of responding to the trauma.
0: Oh, yeah. That that
1: you went through. And um, it's really rough. That shit that you went through at a young age without much of a support system to boot.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, I realized eventually that I had to do that. I had to make reasons for the way that they treated me because of my sanity. That was the only way that I was ever going to be okay because I knew that they were never going to say sorry. And I shouldn't expect it. So... A part of me was just always on guard. Like I, I put walls up around them. So even if I became a DJ, even when um, everything seemed to be okay, they kind of mellowed out. They, they weren't talking about me as much anymore towards the, the tail end of my residency and magic, you know? Like I had to keep those reasons intact just so I could stay sane because I could never expect anything like that from them. But I needed it. I needed like I I played in my head so many situations of them apologizing to me that never happened in real life but I did that so I could have peace and it was because I had that peace that I finally realized maybe this wasn't the healthiest environment for me to be at for me to grow and I became stagnant even my board work it like it started it started dipping. I, I plateaued. And I had constant conversations with my higher-ups. Like thinking, what What can I do? How can I improve? And then I realized that they just had a bar set so high that I wasn't having as much fun anymore. Because every good show I had, I I would always have that like bittersweet thing in the back of my mind. Uh, okay, sure, today's a good day. But when's the next time you'll fuck up? And I, I live like that for three years straight thinking that okay I'm a dj now my problems will end that's not how that works you know other problems arise other things chip away at your your insecurity at your sanity and it changes your worldview of the station the environment and yourself I had wonderful times with um my my batch mates and the the younger djs that I've just grew so close with a couple of the older DJs as well um BNO taught me so many important lessons when it comes to how to handle that kind of um behavior in the industry they would give me advice as to how to deal with things you know and i had the strongest support system when it came to s- certain DJs like boom supported me all the way bno like and e- even the boss defended me so many times as well so
1: yeah, because ultimately, that's the reason why you were still there for a long time, yeah. even through all the hate that was thrown in your direction, diba?
0: I, I wouldn't say that the hate well, was the defining factor as to how you got a job at Magic. It really is just, you have to have that familial bond. You have to get along with them for it to be a cohesive roster, you know? So, yeah, I, I, it's I guess funny what I how that was, turned out.
1: Yeah, I, I guess what I meant was, parang. Um, at some point, the management had to have your back Because yeah. um, otherwise, they would have let you go As soon as like, the first piece of bad feedback would have come, right? So, yeah. if somebody had your back um, uh, Before we get into you leaving Magic I want to uh, ask about Boom Because you mentioned Boom Gonzalez as uh, your former partner, your mentor um, What was it like being under his learning tree And trying to pick things up from him As, as uh, somebody who worked in close proximity to him?
0: Oh, man. It felt like working with a god. (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny because he's a cool, simple guy. But the way that he did things, the way that he handled stuff in the booth, the way that he taught, the way that he did news, the way that he would do things on the fly, conversation pieces, like, He's an amazing human being, so talented, so smart, a jack of all trades, the, the talking, the hosting. You know, he's not bad looking either. And he, he has this gift when it comes to music. You know, he was everything that I wanted to be. Uh, he, he was the person that had some of the hottest and most interesting co-DJs. And, you know, he he, he lived this sort of um, dream in, in the radio world. He was a living legend. And I wanted to be him. Mm-hmm. And seeing the way that he worked, I learned so much. Like in that one year that I was Boom's partner, I learned some of the most important things that I could learn in radio. It also made me realize how different when it when it came to interest and age group Boom and I were. And one of the reasons why I felt that that partnership did not work, especially in that point of time at Magic, was because of the fact that we sounded so different our personalities were so different as well and we just did not have a lot in common but you know a- as a teacher wonderful you know as a partner i feel like maybe we ju- we just weren't matched evenly but it wasn't a bad thing mm-hmm. it was a learning experience
1: all right so uh let's touch on uh the how and why you left magic Because… Um it, i'll I'll share my point of view. I think around twenty eighteen mm. I was already trying to ask Sarge to find a way to bring you over because I'd heard from Jam that you were unhappy, and mm-hmm. I was like, huh, um, is there a way that we can make this work? same company naman and and sister stations and and uh, all that stuff but maybe there was a way that um we we could uh bring Debbie over since she's already hanging out here. She already knows like the entire roster yeah uh why why can't we bring her over? So I was already curious about that, and then nagulat about a year later that it actually happened. And uh, fast forward another year, now we're working together as partners. So, how did that all happen from your perspective?
0: You know, this, this is kind of hilarious. I um and Cholo says this all the time, but I kind of conned him. <laughs> I kind of conned him out of Wave. So um the gist of Cholo, the story. As in Cholo de la Cruz. Yes, Cholo de la Cruz. Um, he used to have the more the midday drive at 10am uh, 10am yeah. till um, 1 that's the time slot that I took when I entered Wave and it had been a period of me being stagnant and just cruising on my plateau wondering what, what else is there for me because after the whole Boom and Debbie partnership started to fizzle out it wasn't doing well um, we weren't exactly getting good feedback because we were just two very, very different people. Um, I'd moved back into my old weekend slots and that made me so unhappy. And I remember the last conversation I had with Boom, like, it's one of the worst days of my life to be told that, you know? The, the elusive um, white whale of a radio show that I always wanted, the perfect time slot um, with a god of a DJ like Boom, the person that I I... Thought was going to be my partner for a very long time, and that's something that we had talked about. That he wanted to teach me how to handle the show because he was at the time considering leaving radio. So it was supposed to be this passing of the torch, mm-hmm. and it didn't quite turn out that way. So the last conversation I had with Boom, I remember he he was going through something at the time as well. He wasn't. Um, quite happy with where he was and our last conversation his words stuck with me he said partner I'm sorry but I failed you and dude like once he said that I started crying like I teared up in front of him I was just like wow we had we had plans we had things that we wanted to do for this show he had plans for his life that that didn't end up pushing through in the way that either of us expected you know and that was the beginning of the end for me I went back to my weekend slot, gravely unhappy, thinking, uh, okay, maybe maybe I just needed to regroup, figure out what I was doing with my life. I did the weekend slot a couple of times before I went to, um, I went back to the weekdays to do a show with Ryan, Ryan Rosella, And we had a partnership that was short-lived, but it didn't quite work out as well. And what I realized from that whole process of going from, the best time slot that I could possibly want to having to scamper away back into the weekend time slots with my my tail in between my legs trying to figure out what went wrong and being given one final chance for it to just, you know, not turn out in my favor. So the whole concept of Halftime, the show that was me and Ryan Rossella, they were upfront. They wanted Ryan. They just wanted a guy. But they wanted someone to... Train him or like grow with him or someone to help him up a little bit.
1: So you're a you veteran presence.
0: Yes. No, I wasn't exactly a veteran but I was a well, you were se- the more senior, senior DJ. Yes, yeah. I, I was a senior presence. I was supposed to teach him what I know, uh, what I knew, and, and then let him shine. That was what that show was about. And I thought for just a second that, you know, things would change if that was a partnership that was better suited for me that it would be the both of us but they stuck with their decision they still wanted a male dj and just the male dj so i went back to my weekend time slot again and i was like you know what i tried it out and in that whole period of the beginning of the end to my one last shot with ryan i already knew when, before I went back into halftime, I already knew that if this, didn't, if this wasn't going to work, that I was going to leave. I'd already known. From the moment that I went back into my weekend slot, I was already thinking it. It was an idea that was there. It was discussed between me and um, some of my closest co-DJ friends. And I came to this conclusion that emotionally, I was at peace because I fought as hard as I could. If halftime wasn't going to work, then i can walk away knowing that i did the best that i could and for whatever reason it just wasn't for me and no hard feelings i can finally walk away with peace on the inside cuz over the years those 5 years of being a junior jock and 3 years of being a dj at a station that you know i i did not know wanted me in the station or not mm. it it was a it it was such a Weird experience.
1: Yeah. Because. I I can imagine that shit eating at you.
0: Yeah. It ate at me every day. And I thought if I just worked hard enough. If I did my best. If I could show them that I am malleable. I'm able to improve. That maybe it will work in my favor. And I just was not what they wanted. They had a specific criteria as to who they wanted their female DJs to be like. How they should sound like. And that wasn't me. I had to do a lot of uh, modulating. I had to talk differently I had to hide certain aspects of my personality because it didn't quite fit into the girl next door concept or they would feel that my personality wasn't enough because I had to hide certain parts and show certain parts so of course it wouldn't be enough you know mm. but I came I I was at peace with everything towards the end when I had my final meeting um, hugged it out with a couple of the senior DJs and the station manager It's like okay yeah I'm cool with it and I left with um, with everything okay like we discussed it, me and one of the higher up DJs and he said no, you're really a fighter you you did the best you could and we're proud of you. thank you. thank you for your service. It was a bitter it was a bittersweet feeling that's for sure.
1: So how'd you end up on wave then? Um, if uh, oh, yeah. you, you'd known uh, uh, the partnership with Ryan wasn't gonna work out the way you wanted wanted it to. Um, what set things in motion for you to uh, transfer stations?
0: Well, first off, um, after that meeting that I had with boss, I do, and I found out that, you know, um, the partnership wasn't working, but I can go back to my weekend slot. That was the offer that was given to me. Just go back to your weekend slot and wait until something opens up again. And I told myself now, okay, if that was going to happen after halftime not working, then I'm going to leave. And I stuck with my I stuck with my word. Um, I stuck with... I, I went to I do and I said, "Okay, if this is not gonna work, could you um, give me a recommendation at the other stations?" And Barangy was surprised because the thing about me, if I love you, I'm loyal. I am so fucking loyal to you. I will have your back, even if even if it hurts me. I will always have your back. And that was for the longest time. Me at Magic, I was so loyal to them, even if I was hurting, even if they weren't exactly treating me the way that um, I deserved at that point. You know, I deserved a lot of things. I, I'm sure I deserved some of that treatment, but I didn't deserve it for that long. I didn't deserve it when I changed. So I asked do if he could send me a recommendation. And he said, well, like he, he didn't want that at first. He asked me to just stick it out, to stay, um, keep growing, keep improving. Maybe my time will come. And I was just, I was adamant. I said, no, um, I did my best. But I feel like I'm not able to grow the way I want to, spiritually, emotionally, if I stay.
1: One last break from my incredibly powerful conversation with my friend Debbie, so I can tell you about another way that your online shopping can help support this podcast. You still have a few days before the big day itself, so you can do your Christmas shopping on Shopee. And my Shopee affiliate link can not only get you the stuff you want or need this holiday season, it can also be your Christmas gift to me, low-key, so you can help keep the podcast alive. So just click my Shopee affiliate link, tinyurl.com slash ondeckxshopee before you check out the products and you're good to go. It's that simple. You're able to give somebody your Christmas gift, whether that's a loved one, a family member, a coworker, a friend, or yourself. And you've also given me a Christmas gift in spirit as well. So again, please use my Shopee affiliate link. That's tinyurl.com slash O-N-D-E-C-K-X You can do it right now and spread the holiday cheer through your online shopping. And now a word from our other podcasts on Podcast Network Asia. Hi, this is Sanaya and I'm a well-being junkie. It's true, I admit it. I love everything to do with mind, body, and energy and I'm constantly on a journey of learning, exploration, and self-discovery. So I created a podcast to talk to experts, influencers, and thought leaders to be inspired by new ideas. So join me on the Project Loving Myself podcast, because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. You are loved. So I'll say this for you because I know you're not going to say it yourself but to ask you to stay after everything you had gone through and then now you're feeling unfulfilled is so unreasonable.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't blame him though. Um, The thing that he said to me was he liked the person that I became because he saw me grow up from that bitchy 16, 17-year-old girl to the young woman that I was at that point in time. And that's why I'll be, I'll always be grateful. That's why I'll always be grateful to I do because he saw the person that I could be from the person that I was at the time. And he said, nah, the problem with me isn't my attitude. And that I found that so funny because when I started in my radio journey, that was the problem with me. Mm-hmm. My, my attitude.
1: And I'm, I'm sure you're saying yeah. it with air quotes
0: yeah, I'm saying it with air quotes, you know, my attitude was the reason why they did not want to hire me, but I showed a lot of potential. But at the tail end of how things turned out, it kind of sucked certain parts of me out. You know, I wasn't the same person that I was, I was broken down, torn up, pushed around, you know, kicked to the very bottom of the food chain, just to feel like that just to be a better person. And he wanted me to stay because I became a good person. But I needed work when it came to quality of radio, the the exact quality of radio that they wanted. So I I cried. I cried my eyes out and I said, nah, thank you. That that's wonderful to hear, you know, after everything, you know, that's what I wanted someone anyone to see that I'm not a terrible fucking person that I am capable of change but the way that I changed, some parts for the better some parts not for the better because I lost a certain spunk fire in me and I realized that and one of the reasons why I had to leave was because in order to get that spunk back to get that fire passion that that part of old Debbie that mm-hmm. kept me so interesting. I had to meet other people. I had to go somewhere else. So I started visiting the other stations. I talked to the other DJs with the permission of I do, of course. Yeah. And he let me continue boarding weekends. And I started training um, when when I finally settled on um, Wave, right? That was the place that... Um, I'm pretty sure that it was the
1: easiest choice to make.
0: It... I mean, I wanted to... My Funny enough, I wanted to go across the hallway because I didn't want to be in the same radio station as my boyfriend. Okay. You know, that was a personal thing. Okay. But at the time, they weren't hiring. So it was... A, n-
1: across the hallway meaning play?
0: Um, No. Across the hallway is in jam.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
0: So it was either or, but they were neck-to-neck tied. I wanted either jam or wave because that's a personal choice when it comes to music that I love that that I value with all of my heart so it was neck to neck jam or play I would have been happy if I went into either Mm. but I didn't want to be in the same station as my boyfriend because I had my boyfriend there and I wanted to keep things professional but neck to neck tie I went to jam they didn't have any openings and um I kind of um knew someone from did kind of. I, I knew Cholo de la Cruz and he was the guy that was assigned to teach me because apparently he was leaving for a
1: job that I turned down. Okay. So I didn't know you were considered for um for O shopping.
0: Yeah. Um I I was offered a spot for O shopping, but um because of several factors, like the office hours, I had yeah. to come in and do like a 9 to 5 thing aside from the oh, shopping bits where you had to be on TV and start selling stuff. It just wasn't going to gel with my current um, schedule. At the time, I, I'd been just so swamped with hostings and I needed a flexible um, flexible work time. So I couldn't do the 9 to 5 and that was the only thing that was on the table. So what I did was I recommended Cholo the first person that came to mind when I was offered that job and I had to turn it down, I said, "Hey, why don't you talk to Cholo?" Mm-hmm. And because I passed it on to him,
1: he, he ended decided, up having to leave Wave.
0: Yes, because he wanted he wanted something that had a nine to five. Yes, um, work I remember time.
1: having these conversations with him then. Okay, so so you orchestrated his exit and then yeah. you took his spot.
0: But I didn't do it with the intentions of. Oh no, man, yeah, it, it doesn't spot. sound
1: that dark. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't really that um that manipulative or that self-serving. But yeah. uh, like it it just worked out that way. Interesting, yeah. interesting.
0: We we were cool because like when when I started training for his spot, he was just like, "Oh, by the way, thank you for recommending me." Hey, you know what? I just realized it's because of you that I'm getting. I'm leaving Wave, and it's because of me that you're getting this spot, my time slot. So it's funny how that worked out because, um what i wanted was flexible hours and i got that through this job what he wanted was a 9 to 5 so uh all's well ends well i guess we were together at the christmas party we were like okay th- thank you uh, thank you for your help um thanks as well
1: yeah yeah well you know um o shopping doesn't really exist anymore but that's most yeah, the yeah. government's fault than uh, anything but whatever um uh i'm not going to harp too much on that um I guess as we wind down here, I, I don't want our listeners coming away with this insight na yeah, okay lang pala that Debbie went through all of that stuff. Cause oh, it made no. her a better person, or it made her tougher, or it uh, made her better at her board work or or whatever. I, I don't want listeners to come away thinking that. Cause what you went through, to me it sounded like bullying, to me it sounded like abuse, and that shit's not cool. Yeah. You know, like uh regardless, kung di man tayo partners, or if we weren't friends. I would probably be saying the same thing, right? I would too. I, I, I don't want our listeners thinking that. It's I'm not just, okay. I'm just um happy that you found your peace. Yeah. That uh, ikaw, uh, you were able to take those things that happened to you and use it as fuel to become a better person. Um, I think that's commendable. I think that's something worth acknowledging for sure.
0: Yeah. And one of the most important lessons that I learned as well was i had went on and it really is like an abusive relationship i'm not saying now okay they they're they're horrible like in general like i hate magic you know that's not that's not what i'm trying to say it's the treatment that i received wasn't wasn't not abuse and from a third person's perspective i look at it and i'm like man I can't believe I went through all that shit never said or did anything I kept my head down I let them say shit about me I never confronted them like maybe I confronted like one or two but like you know that that didn't end up too well either so it it really is just me coming to terms with the fact that I'm never going to get an apology and that's I guess okay if I can live with myself but that was wrong that shouldn't have happened to me uh, the way that it did for as long as it did but Like any true um, relationship that has those characteristics, I never thought that the best solution was to leave. And I'll tell you now, Parts. Like when I left and I came into WAVE and… Not not just WAVE even. Like the support that I got from all the other stations. Mm -hmm. From me choosing to leave. That was such a heartwarming experience. Like I'd never felt so loved by the industry…
1: And, I think because it was an open secret that what you went through was really the shits.
0: Yeah. and and It the, was an
1: open secret. Like, I wasn't part was of the Five Stations. This was something people
0: talked about. Yeah.
1: I yeah. wasn't part of the Five Stations for so many years. And I knew about it. So, when I became part of the Five Stations, it wasn't eh? like when people yeah. would tell me, oh, did you hear about Debbie and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, I know Debbie. I've heard about these things. So, like, th- this was not new to me. So, um, I'm, I'm just really glad that Nakaron ka ng rest back in a way yeah. when you had finally decided to take control of your own fate.
0: I I figured out what true happiness was. I never knew that all it took was finding the strength within and putting my foot down and saying no. I don't. I don't want to feel this way anymore. You don't the, wanna have only, to put up with this shit anymore. Yeah, I don't want to have to put up with the way that I'm feeling, even if they're not treating me a certain way anymore. Those scars sometimes they don't heal. You know, yeah. they're called scars for, sure. for a reason. They're always going to be there. You see them, you feel them. And even if sometimes they're hidden, the sting of it is still there. You, yeah, you sabi flinch. Ni Papa Roach,
1: right? Scars remind <laughs> us that the past is real.
0: <laughs> Tim my heart open. Oh, man, I love that song. Damn. Okay, I'm going to go listen to that after this. But yeah, um, I guess my message for anyone that's going through something like that in a work environment is to always take the um, higher road Always be the better person. Don't expect an apology. But forgive yourself. Learn how to heal. And when I finally let go of magic, that's when I loved again. And it isn't just a new station. Wave 89.1. That's what I'm in love with now. No, it's like I fell back in love with the craft of radio because I learned how to do it with different system, with different people. Being able to talk to people that are older than you or are senior members of the station and having them say, oh, that's a good idea. Or, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Um, yeah, sure. That's a great idea. We'll do that next time. You know, to, to be able to converse, not, not just having a conversation being told to you, like this is what you need to do. This is, if you want to succeed, this is what you got to do. This, 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 and this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. God damn it. Stop doing that. Do this. And... Comparing it right now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's a really different dynamic. And of course, th- those um, boot camp moves, right, being told what to do—that has its own—that um, has its own reason. I know why it's done that way because the quality of radio is so high at Magic. So within reason, you have to be like that. I get. Not
1: it. saying like, that the quality at Wave isn't as high. No, no,
0: no, not it's at just all. Just that
1: like, I, I think um, they do things differently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every station does things differently. is is um, one way of looking at it. And I guess, um, I, I guess, we're a station. Parang walarin tayong K. If if you get what I'm trying to say, uh, walarin tayong K na o masanang
0: Like when it comes to magic, you know, there's reputation. Like they they they're the top radio station, English speaking radio station in the Philippines. There's a premium with that that they hold very dearly. They like to flash their honor medals um, proudly I guess. and and.
1: I mean, or like like who are we to to boast of whatever credentials to you yeah know, um to to treat people like shit right? like who are yeah. we? I guess there's that, and in line with that um i'm I'm already anticipating some people hitting us up in in the comments saying that you know look look at these two young djs who the fuck do they think they are calling out shitty behavior of senior djs or whatever um i I, I don't want to hear that shit. Um, I feel I like
0: the time is different now and I'm with you on this one because it whether or not a senior DJ says something about what I've had to say all show long I can just you know upfront like this was my experience I'm never going to get an apology from you you have your reasons as to why you did what you did and that's fine that's okay but let me speak let me have my peace because I was never able I never able to do that when I was there I could not. Now I found my voice. Now it's a different time with the whole Me Too movement b- becoming a real thing, and like, uh, people think differently now. Certain things that were done in the workplace before, they can't happen today.
1: Yeah, and nilang um Those are your experiences. That's your story. Yeah. Like, um, and if
0: if they don't, if this doesn't sit well with them, then well. I'm not exaggerating. I was treated a certain way. This is how it felt to me.
1: If yeah, you no think one can that invalidate I, that. Yeah.
0: You can't invalidate the way that you made me feel for six, seven years, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So lang, I, I I guess I took the conversation to that place just to say, nah, um we, we don't wanna hear people saying, nah, uh, who the fuck do you think you are to be calling this shit out? It doesn't matter. Well, I
0: I know I'm I know I'm nobody in comparison to And
1: it doesn't matter if you're them, nobody but like, it does compared doesn't to matter. them. Yeah. And and I just want to say that you are not nobody, but I also just want to say, yeah, I don't care who you are or what your seniority is in reference to whomever. If you went through something which you know, was a lot of pain and you have these insights and you're able to talk about these things because it's part of your healing process, then... No one can really invalidate that. No one can question that. That's why I really respect you, Debbie, for being able to tell your story and speak your truth. Because nobody can take that away from you. Nobody should be invalidating you at all.
0: Thank you. I mean, like, I've been through a lot of things. And I guess if if they choose to listen to what I have to say... And they never got my side of the story. I'm not trying to make excuses for the dumb things I said when I was 16 or 17 years old. I admit it. Sure. I've done some really dumb shit and I probably deserve some of it, you know. But I'm different now. I've grown. I've changed what what values I held back then aren't the same values that I hold now. And I'd like to show it when it comes to the way that I treat the junior jocks. That are younger that that came after me or the DJs in general that came after me. um, It's changed the way that I've seen radio but at the same time it's like I've been through hell. If they're wondering why didn't I just give up like you know they treated me so poorly maybe because they wanted me to leave. They wanted me to quit radio. Maybe they think that maybe they thought at the time that I have no future in radio and that's just that but that's my dream. Eh? That's what I want to do. That's how hard I'm going to work just to get to the place that I want to get to. And if that doesn't sit well with them, then I guess that's cool. That's okay with me because at the end of the day, if I'm really not meant to be doing this, I wouldn't still be doing it. You know? So I found my footing when it comes to a station that um, accepted me completely. I guess I- I'm not saying that they did not accept me completely. It's just I found a station that was a better fit for my personality for what I had to share and who I am so all is well you know I have no hate whatsoever I still funny enough respect those DJs that have said so many mean things about me because I've learned to separate who they are on air to who they are off air and I think that should be something to be valued when it comes to this craft because You can be a shitty person off-air. No matter how talented you are, you're always going to be a shitty-ass person. And I don't care how good you think you are. You're not. You're a shitty person. And that's okay. But I still have so much respect for the work that they do because… At the end of the day, there was a time that I wanted to be like those people, and that's why I worked so hard. That's how I overcame my personal demons, that's how I overcame my mental health issues from that whole harrowing process of abuse. You know, in retrospect, I just learned how to love the person that I've become and forgive the people that never had to say sorry.
1: You know, um, I, I just want to close this out by saying that, um, this was. Low-key, the way I wanted our conversation to go. <laughs> uh, but I also didn't want to force this on you. So I'm glad na you know na lang to share. Um I've known a lot of this story over the years that, you know, we have been we'd been talking and hanging out at events or at, you know, um the corridor we once shared. Yeah. The corridor we'll be going back to when, yeah. you know, <laughs> we can uh finally go back to um the, the physical radio stations. But funny how the world works. Um it, it's nice to put it out there. I, I, I'm really appreciative of your you just being candid about this. And I also want to take this time out to say that nah, I'm really happy that you and I have become partners, that you and I have spent basically the entire pandemic um, as a tag team on the air. Because I'm still learning a lot and I'm learning a lot from you in ways that I never thought I would. And I'm really enjoying the fact that I don't have to be antsy because you're my partner. Parang I know na if I have to for for whatever reason not be a hundred percent, you're there to pick up the slack. And it's not a reason for me to be complacent or to be uh, patapon or whatever. It's just that I know na nangyen ka, and that makes me feel so much more confident in what we're doing.
0: Bro, why you gotta make me cry? Shit, you know, man, I love you too, bro. <laughs> oh man, Uh, you know that that means. That really means a lot to me, Stan. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because all I've ever wanted was just a a little, not recognition, you know, someone to say, you did good. You did okay. And you know enough about my home life to know that that's not something I experienced a lot. It also contributed to why I behaved a certain way at a certain age because I was just looking for something In all the wrong places, whether it be love, whether it be respect, whether it be life. I was always looking in the wrong places. And I feel like in this point in my life right now, and that's why I can talk about it openly and candidly, like you said, because I have no hard feelings. Like everything that I went through helped me become the person that I am. Yeah, sure. I probably didn't deserve a lot of it, but I am this strong of a woman because of it. And I can look at those people and I'm sure that when we start walking in the hallways with them again, I'll smile and say, Hey, how are you? You know, I I wouldn't be as scared as I was as a junior jock, never approaching them because, you know, they, I know that they don't like me. Now we're all okay. Like, even if I don't know if they still hate me or not, if they do, then it's totally fine. But I have respect for them. Mm -hmm. I, I still love them. I still care for them as radio DJs. I still look up to them. And if I see them in the hallway, I'm going to be like, Hey, how are you? You know, I'm not afraid anymore because I found my happiness. And if there's anything I can impart to anyone that's go- going through something like this, is to um, is to just find your peace by doing what you need to do to be happy. Be honest with yourself. Have conversations with yourself and say, "Okay, this is not how I want to feel ever again. So I got to do something about it. So do something about it."
1: And if uh, things fail and don't work out the way we'd like them to, when we're finally back in that corridor, I will be waiting down at, at Seven Eleven <laughs> with a beer at seven a.m.
0: A beer at seven a.m. Ooh, okay. That sounds um uh, very um the night before. <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah. Uh, that, well, that's how I deal with um with with my shit, Debbie. Thank you so much. Um, It it was a great conversation. Really enjoyed having you on the podcast. We might as well do this shit the same way we do it on the radio. Where can people follow you if they want to get in touch or if they want to slide into your DMs for bookings? For bookings and not, not much else
0: for bookings okay so you can find me online of course at debbie underscore 10 on instagram or on twitter yes that's 10 with an h but a silent h so that's where you can find me keep yourselves up to date i guess um listen to our show every monday it's a fridays the morning takeover that's where you can find me and you Mm -hmm. all over again at 7 (laughs) a.m
1: with uh with much more filters
0: yeah no fuckity fuck fucks
1: yeah none of that (laughs) thanks partner Thank you. Thanks again to Debbie Ten for joining me here on deck and having a conversation longer than we've ever had on air and probably even longer than we've had in real life. So who knew that a podcast guesting was all it would take for us to have that type of a heart-to-heart conversation. I hope you picked something up because I certainly learned a thing or three about my partner and about how different people have different ways of healing and moving forward from these really traumatic and drama-filled incidents with you know the people around us so i wish we could all live in a world without drama but this drama-filled world is the one that we live in so you know (laughs) this is our world for better or for worse anyway here's a quick programming note before i get out of here i've got one last episode of the podcast before we take a quick holiday break and before we all march forward towards 2021 hopefully one step closer towards getting out of the darkest timeline for next week, my guest is a former co-worker of mine at Mellow 94.7. He is a fellow Saverian and somebody who's been enjoying a great deal of success in his career lately because of his involvement in the Tagalog dub of the Turkish Teleseries or the Turkish ET series, Endless Love and Everywhere I Go, DJ Kaz of Mellow 94.7 is joining me on deck and... I just recorded the episode earlier. It was one of the most entertaining and enjoyable conversations I've ever had. We were able to pack so much in just about an hour of conversation. So I'm so excited for you to hear that podcast when it drops next week. But until then, you can catch me on Wave 89.1 alongside Debbie from Monday to Friday, 7 to 10 a.m. on The Morning Takeover. You can also catch me with my friends Ro Moran and Chino Liao as we host the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast on facebook.com slash Podcast or on Kumu at Wrestling Wrestling Pod. Of course, the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast is also part of the Podcast Network Asia family. And if you're still thinking about sending a gift to somebody special who may love wrestling, especially the Philippine scene, then a personalized shout-out from myself or from my friends in MSG or the PWOGs could very well be what you need. So hit us up over at shoutout.com if you want a personalized shout-out. That's shoutout dot shoutout.com. You can check out Lazada as well for your shoutouts. If you want to get a personalized one from anybody that's on the platform with any message you want, they've got you covered over at shoutout. And of course, I can't end the podcast without thanking babyface producer Nikai and babyface producer Sola for putting the podcasts together and making sure that you can enjoy them. As we finish all of our deliverables and all our requirements right before the two straight long weekends that the holidays will bring. So let me be one of the first to greet you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I really hope that you're finding a way to celebrate with your loved ones virtually, if not physically, with social distancing, with your masks on, the frequent hand-washing. And please, for the love of God, let's not risk everything on this Christmas so we can still have a next Christmas with our loved ones. And on that note, this episode of On Deck is in the books. Thank you so much for listening, downloading, streaming, subscribing, sharing, letting people know that On Deck exists I promise, it's as great as a Christmas gift as a podcaster can ask for. And on that note, thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Stan C. Episode 22 is in the books. Thank you very much. And I hope I've earned the privilege of your time.